not. All right. So, um, what is your non-alcoholic cocktail, Janine? Uh, it's a gin and tom, gin and soda water with CBD bitters. Ooh, it smells so good. Wait, it has gin in it. Ritual gin. Oh, non-alcoholic gin. Yeah, yeah. Which? How do it, they do that? You know, I don't know. I I don't really pay attention to it, but I I know that it doesn't taste as much as a Christmas tree as you'd like. Okay. Because I think that's a thing people look for in gins. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, obviously, it's not very strong. Um, I wouldn't drink the gin by itself because it's trash. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, welcome yeah. to Sauced in Austin, a Podland or Drunkcast podcast. I'm Allison. I'm Julie. And that's Janine. Hey. Uh, and I just, that was definitely the place <laughs> to interrupt. Um, but like that was just, it was like, hello, here is a place for your inadvertent punchline. Uh, please carry on, Janine. Talk to us about the trash. Oh, just God. in case there's any confusion. This this episode is not brought to you by Ritual Gin. Listen, no. Rich, Ritual Gin is actually very good for mixed cocktails. And <laughs> I would highly recommend it for anybody who's trying to find a way to drink and not have the alcohol thing and still wants to special moment the ritual as it were mm-hmm. but good god don't try to drink it by itself because you'll it's a fucking waste don't do it <laughs> okay yeah well because you shouldn't drink it by itself because you need the ritual yeah of mm-hmm. having a cocktail yeah if mm-hmm. you try to shoot this if that's your goal maybe there's some other things to work on <laughs> <laughs> yeah if what you miss most about alcohol is doing shots um get help You've yeah, been doing alcohol wrong. Listen, Sorry. Take it from us. Four years. Yeah, take, you know, take some yeah, time. Yeah, we're cool. Yeah. Have we ever done shots on the podcast? Oh, I'm sure we have. Yeah, we have. I mean, I know yes. we've done shots like at live shows. Oh, we. Oh, I'm sure we've done them at the Party Dome, and I know we've done them at my house. Well, yeah, I, but but cherry on day, microphone, yeah. we. I'm sorry. On microphone, um, <laughs> cherry bounce so. is a sipper, though, man. I don't know, yeah, man. I don't know if I approach cherry browns in a sipping way. <laughs> <laughs> that Fair. sounds like a personal problem. It does. <laughs> um. Anyway, it's Austin, Austin. Welcome. This is still chapter volume one, imbibe and Pre- prejudice, chapter five. I yeah, think that's... so. P P B B C A E Olivier. Um, Olivier. Olivier and Christmas, Christmas at Pimbley. Pimbley. Oh, so I guess oh, chapter four. Chapter four. four. Okay. Chapter four. The, chapter four. Bridget Jones's diary. Bitch, mm-hmm. I'm excited. This was I, a good one. I always forget some, like you could ask me, a random passerby stops me on the street and says, Madam, <laughs> pray tell, what is your opinion on Bridget Jones's diary? And I would, any day of the week, I would say, oh, it's a great rom-com. Mm-hmm. Like, like one of the great contemporary rom-coms for sure it's a period piece now but like it felt was very modern at the time really groundbreaking hugely influential on the way movies got made afterward now there are a bunch of things we make fun of that bridget jones did first and that is pretty cool as a legacy um it's a good movie right but that's just because i know that intellectually in my soul i always forget that this is a fucking god tier rom-com it's just it's very well done I agree. I, this is my first time watching it. Um, and I understand why it was such a big deal at the time. Um, cause it's a very good film. It's a very good film. Just 
full stop. Good film, like really well organized, like well shot. Like it just the opening sequence, which hit a little too hard uh, at home for me. <laughs> yeah. Of, you know, crying in a onesie uh, while drinking wine and listening to awesome music um, and worrying about an animal eating you. Jasper, wherever you are. Um, oh, Jasper's definitely going to eat your face. I'm, where would he start? A cheek, right? Just it's above like, the beard? Oh, yeah, definitely. He, he likes to lick my beard. Oh, yeah. Now, he'll start so right there. Thing, that's so he'll where definitely he'll start. start working in. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that all felt very real. And, oh, wait, uh, wait, 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 wait. Are you telling me Jasper licks your beard? Yeah, he cleans my beard. He's he, like, grooming you? He's grooming me. <gasps> oh, my God. You know yeah. who used to do that? Speck. Oh, Speck. Speck liked to lick my face whenever I held him. And so I always knew he would, that's where he would start right away when he, (laughs) when I died and there was no one here to save me and he'd start right there. Nancy very occasionally will do a little lick, but mostly she just, she does like a little, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and just kind of like puts her teeth on me. Mm -hmm. Um, She does, however, groom uh, the big furry pink blanket that we have. She keeps that shit clean. <laughs> I gotta say though, I do kind of wish Jasper would, would recognize the flow of my beard. He tries to like groom Going it the up. the opposite way. Oh, buddy, Bro, come on! Come like, on! I don't pet you that way. Don't groom me that way. Come on, mm. we're working on itself. Mm. Anyway, so uh, my aside on the opening and being you know horribly lonely. This film was great. <laughs> I saw it when it came out. I just read the book for this project. Like maybe two weeks ago, I finished it. Um, the book really kind of surprised me. I didn't expect to be so mad at it so often, but I know that that's part of it, especially through any Hold on, kind Julie, of- what is it? Hmm? <laughs> part of it. There we go. <laughs> um, but I was, it, the book pissed me off a couple of times, like pretty bad. And then watching the movie and remembering how just classically speaking as a romantic comedy, yes, it is great. And it hits all the beats. And I do think after having just watched it, that they take a lot of the rough edges of that book and really smooth it out a little bit. Um, When I was reading the book, I knew that the movie was kind of a Pride and Prejudice callback. And obviously Darcy's there, blah, blah, blah. But the book didn't get the pp in me like I, I didn't get as much pp from that book as i did from the movie it was just the tip huh? right it was just the tip of the pp not the full pemberley well i didn't get the full pemberley i feel like this is an important moment to underline um who it is that worked on this movie uh, which I, the director is Sharon McGuire who has directed some other great things um and didn't direct Bridget Jones the Edge of Reason um but did come back for Bridget Jones's Baby which is charming uh by the way um and it was adapted from Helen Fielding's book um, by Helen Fielding with uh, two other screenwriters you might have heard of. One is Richard Curtis, British rom-com legend, writer of Love Actually and many other things. And the other is noted nemesis of Emma Thompson, Andrew what? Davies. Yeah. What? Oh, did y'all not know that? Yeah. What? Oh, yeah. Noted Andrew Davies nemesis. is one of the writers. No, that's why Emma Thompson's not in this. Famously, that's what this is. Again, I'm making this up. This we is total di- fiction. We are discovering a huge conspiracy. It is here. a conspiracy, a PP conspiracy, a PP, a PP con- con- conspira, a conspiracy, a conspiracy, 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 a 
a, a, it's a oh 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 it's a fallacy phallic oh ph uh, with the ph to sound like an f oh. i see what you did there oh god oh yeah jasper get a little bit closer to that cheek <laughs> oh no he's back there licking his butthole he's playing cello playing yeah. the cello <laughs> Um, yeah. So Julie, I think that your point about the book feeling much more like a PP than, I'm sorry, the Mm -hmm. movie feeling much more like a PP than the book does. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. And some of that is that they, they're very obviously playing in the pride and prejudice sandbox specifically as it relates to British pop culture um in a way that's very knowing right it's Mm -hmm. it's not just colin firth playing mr darcy it's hugh grant playing against the hugh grant of um of prior rom-coms and certainly of sense and sensibility which we will eventually talk about a couple of cast members from sense and sensibility here um which stars who noted nemesis of sir andrew davies emma thompson yeah oh yeah um anyway uh so there's a lot of that like there's a lot of um playing to type or against type and sort of folding in the different elements of different actors history um the woman who plays bridget's mom uh is also the mother in that sense and sensibility Mm -hmm. um the friends all have backgrounds are like are all noted British actors. Uh, although I do believe that this predates moaning Myrtle. It does. Um, oh, oh yeah. Neil looked her up immediately. He was yeah. like, where do I know her from? When from I a was, zillion things. She's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, she is I, a really great actress whose name is escape. Shirley Henderson. Um, who is, she's just, she's always good in everything, but probably best known for playing moaning Myrtle noted lover of crying in bathrooms yes as, as is oh, jude wow we found a type that's a yeah. thing yeah well uh-huh. te- uh, theater school because i'm not as much of a i don't remember the harry potter movies as much i recognized her voice but the person that i recognized was the woman that plays when is it wendy the uh the the super like fuck him fuck fuck that fuck she's from miranda <laughs> Oh, and she plays a completely different character on Miranda. So it was fun to watch her get to be a little bit more butch, for lack of a better term. Their uh, gay friend is from Battlestar Galactica. That's all yes. I oh, my God. Yeah. Gaius Baltar. Oh, yes. Yeah. I was watching him and I'm like, why do I know that face? You'll be oh, yeah. seeing him again when we eventually get to Austin land uh, because oh, no. he is in that. <laughs> I forgot we that. Have to do that. I one? think he's maybe Colonel Brandon. Interesting. Um. We're going to watch it. We're going to like it. Noted heartthrob, Colonel Brandon. He is a total heartthrob. Um, let me check. Uh, Cur- no, Colonel Andrews, but come on. Oh, when yeah, he gets yeah. his hair long, though, man, I got to tell you, whoo, 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 he's a fox. Ooh. Oh, speaking of foxes, the other thing that I forgot, which is something I texted to Julie and Janine <laughs> while we were recording, is I forgot exactly how, like, nuclear grade hot Hugh Grant is in this movie. Yeah. And, and he's not even like I frankly am more interested in in sort of scraggly, scruffy Hugh Grant than I am like pristine. Look at my perfect waves, Hugh Grant. Mm-hmm. But there's so, there's something about the like insouciance, um, 
Oh, Neil thought he was hilarious. Neil was like, if you weren't on the inside of this relationship being continually psychologically abused from the outside, he's very fun. Yeah, oh, totally. Yeah. But, but yeah. he just, he, the when they fall in the pond, or when he mm-hmm. falls in the pond, holy yeah. shit. He stands up and the fucking cigarettes bent over and the sun glistened off his fucking good. Yeah. It's fucking one of my first notes is his entrance when the elevator opens. I'm like, Hugh Grant's entrance is velvet. Yes. So he did. He felt he had like a texture mm-hmm. that you wanted to touch. It's very yeah. um, like mm, like Christian Slater and Heather's like that kind of thing mm-hmm. where you're just like, you are terrible news. Let's do it. <laughs> give me come. Give me some emotional damage, please. Let's yes. do this. I, let's, I want to not trust men for at least five years after this experience. Wreck me, daddy. <laughs> yes. Good God. But then uh, Colin Firth, also a very different kind of hot. It's like he was the he it, you get a total um, uh, PP BBC AE Darcy when you combine the 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 like five alarm hotness of Colin Firth in the pride that pride and prejudice and hugh grant falling into the pond here with colin firth doing like the look like the piano look mm-hmm. over and over again throughout this movie they're the it's the two different kinds of hot also may i submit for your consideration to the colin firth hot list because it happens more than once in a very short period of time is his over-the-top roundhouse. That fucking... I that saw, was really hot. It was that so good. It was very John Wick. Him out, that knocks Hugh Grant out twice. Just I, this... all, And he's so tall, too. So you know how hard that's coming down. Yeah. I love that, like, the stunt coordinator on that was like, you're going to do this punch. He's like, wonderful. That's about all I can do. That's all I can do. <laughs> it's like, I see you, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm throwing that on the list, too, which is weird. And that goes into my general, like, caveman fucking club me over the head and drag me back to your cave, please. Wreck me, daddy. It's the yeah. same shit. Why it is, is it always the same? It is. But it's this is good because we get both of those. Into, mm-hmm. it's, it's a really good movie for, like, oh, you... Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like yes. at the very end when he says fucking um yes they fucking do. Nice boys don't kiss like that. Yes they fucking do. You're like I believe you. I you don't have to convince me. I got chills on that one. Yeah. I was like, Ooh, oh, boy. a good line. Good Colin Firth might be if you were going to do speaking of god tier. If you were going to do a god tier of people who can do the look. The look. Yeah, uh, Colin Firth would be in that tier. There's well, you know, most celebrities have their special move, you know. <laughs> blue steel. Yeah, blue steel. Hair uh, flip. That's Britney. Yeah, like you know, um, Leonardo DiCaprio's is always the squinty eyes. Brad mm-hmm. Pitt's to eat something. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, he took that from Paul Newman, though. He did. Yeah. Well, I mean, Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> oh, like shady. <laughs> Denzel Washington has a uh, emotional chest hit. They're very good. Yeah. Or the angry <sighs> smile. Or the angry smile. Yeah, like Denzel angry smile is yeah. the shit. And Colin Firth is a smoldering the ember look. behind his eyes. You know who else could do that? Mm. Raul Julia. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's so good. And two reasons why I, he immediately sprung to mind. Neil and I just recently watched Adam's Family Values for Thanksgiving because of the incredible Thanksgiving scene at the camp. Mm-hmm. And I was reminded about 
Morticia and Gomez and how fucking awesome they are. And he, they they both do so well. And then Neil and I watched this other movie that Raul Julia had like a tiny part in. It was a terrible movie. I'm not even going to tell you what it was. But there was a moment where he was staring at someone and I was like, is he staring at me? Is that me? Across time and space. Yeah. So I'm going to put Raul Julia on this, the look list. You yeah. know, another great movie for if you want two different brands of hot rom-com dude in the same movie, the Philadelphia story. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Because you've got young Jimmy Stewart that, and that's why you NG Jimmy Stewart, like really young, just smoking hot. Like we'll stare you down. It's a wonderful lifestyle. Just undressing I, you with his eyes. And then you've I just got put something together. What? The Philadelphia story is pride and prejudice. Hit me with this hot take. Okay. So there's the guy, the hot guy, the suave guy, kind of like Hugh Grant here in Bridget Jones, played by Cary Grant. She's his, He's her ex-wife, so that's a little wrinkle. It all takes place in kind of high society, which even though the Bennets aren't truly high society in PNP, they still run in those circles. Oh, they're high society. They're just also broke. It's a, right. it's a unique phenomena. The I like upper 10,000. I like that Catherine Hepburn is not broke because that gives her character a little bit more wiggle room than it gives Lizzie Bennett, especially in a capitalist society. But we don't have to go that deep. And then you have the guy fucking come in from out of nowhere and he's very tall. And he helps you laugh or or makes you laugh or it's a joke or something. I don't know. It's just a different. It's the two dudes. It's what it is. It's what we're talking about here. It's just the two dudes. Mm -hmm. We're going to do. I love this addition to our thesis. We're going to do um, another episode on Bridget, at least one more episode. Well, I guess now at this point, at least two more episodes on Bridget Jones, because movies are mo- for the most part going to get two separate episodes. So we don't have to cover everything in mm-hmm. an hour and a half or so we don't have to give you a three and a half. hour episode. We're not doing that. We're please. not doing that. No, no, no. no. we're not doing that. Um, so, uh, Holy shit, what were we talking about? We're talking about how Bridget Jones oh, yes. and Pride and Prejudice, the two guys. So we're doing two episodes that you will hear separately, but which we are recording now. And then we're also going to talk to a very dear friend of mine who is also maybe the preeminent um, rom-com critic currently working, uh, Caroline Sita, who writes a column called When Romance Met Comedy at the AV Club. Um, <laughs> her very first uh, entry is Bridget Jones's Diary, and it's one of her favorite movies. Uh, and we are specifically going to talk about um, Bridget Jones's Diary and the two dudes and where they are reflected in other pieces of pop culture and rom-coms and stuff. So more on this... And maybe also the Philadelphia story. That just uh, it just kind of weeks. blew my mind because I'm That's working great. on an er, er theory for adapt film adaptations, at least of Pride and Prejudice, that are trying to make some money out of nothing. Is that they have an actress who is uh, probably in her late twenties or early thirties, and they she's really strong and people really like her, but they haven't really found the right place for her yet, so they fucking do a Pride and Prejudice for her. Like it just kind of feels like that's happened again and again and again through time, hmm. right? Where she gets to be smart and gets to be kind of like she can come back and she's witty and whatever. Even if she's like in Bridget Jones, a little bit down, she can still come back every time. And I, I'm wondering, it's just it just feels like a formula that Jane Austen started and we're still doing. Yep. <laughs> yep. I um I think that Lizzie Bennett is one of those characters that even in adaptations, you you cannot play her without a certain level of 
intellect um, because even and that's true here, too, because mm-hmm. even though Bridget is not particularly well informed and she's not particularly polished, she's obviously incredibly clever, which is why she's such a fun protagonist. Right. Like, that's why even when you're like, oh, God, could you make more bad choices? I'm not sure it's possible for you to make more bad choices. You still love her and root for her. And part of it is that she's just so much fun. Um and my and I think that that some of the best performances are of characters like that, uh, because there are only so many people who can play them like you can't fake even if someone else is writing it for you, you can't really fake wit. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Like if you're not operating what, on a similarly high level, you're not going to be able to get the charm of it quite right. I'm a little bit nervous about KK's PP. She's good. She's good. Yeah, but I bet she's just not as good as Jennifer Ely. You well, know, just like we'll we'll get there. Yeah, we'll okay. get there. But Renee Zellweger, however, is fucking amazing. Isn't she? She's the fucking best. She was the right person to cast for this role. In the crowd cast, we were all talking about the kerfuffle that happened when they were all like, "Why are you casting an American to play a British heroine?" Like all that shit. Fuck that. She was great. I th- un- I can understand that sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. But it is very obvious that she was just born to play this part. Um, she's she's just incredibly she's incredibly good, and her accent is next level. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. most even when you think about really good British accents from American actors, they're mostly really polished, right? Like there's a sort of elegance to them. Hers just sounds like her. It, well, it just, I mean, she just yeah. sounds like a person. Yeah. Right? Like, it's not an act. It's a very, very good dialect work, which is basically the only reason you would say, oh, well, no, nobody should play this character but a but a British person, because mm-hmm. she's great. Rightly got an Oscar nomination for this. Um, I want to check and see who beat her, because I don't remember. Um, but it's... Well, you, actually, that is, that's an interesting point to remember, though. Uh, although um, I'm sure here, Jennifer on. Ely had more British time hold up acting the i don't know who's at the door but they're going to keep buzzing so let okay. me just do that other or it's see hold on it's the passage of time the passage of time all right so we were at her being american and then i uh, you were going to talk I realized about that jennifer ely is american but she had more time in England. Yeah, she's a dual as an actor like and yeah. she's a dual citizen. Okay, fine. So, what's the name of the you were looking uh who who oh, won I was the Oscar for who that year? Um, yeah. I'm I'm looking it up, but we should give you like a clean entry point. Okay. Okay. I, I don't know whether or not you just heard fake yakety sacks, but we had a little a little to do with a rowdy doorbell. Uh, and now I am checking to see who won the Oscar the year that Renee Zellweger was nominated for Bridget Jones's diary. I love it when people get nominated for, um, comedy performances. Cause it's like, you had to be extra good because they don't give a fuck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like when Melissa don't. McCarthy got nominated for bridesmaids, rightly so as well. She should have. Um, okay. Renee Zellweger lost to Halle Berry. Was it monsters ball? Oof, I'm not yeah. mad about that. No, yeah. me neither. She's very good. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm. Also that year, Sissy Spacek and In the Bedroom, a great performance. Nicole Kidman and Moulin Rouge. Mm. I love Nicole, but I've I've never. Mm-hmm. This is I'm about to outrage a bunch of people who think they know my exact taste. I've never been a Moulin Rouge person. I don't like I, it either. I am such a Moulin Rouge person. I don't. Of course like it. you are, you sweet summer child. I don't know if I. I don't know how. I haven't watched it in a number of years, but that was like that was a film that like. 
there was a lot of awakenings that happened during that film. Ooh, well, and then the other is Oof, um, Judy Dench for Iris was the other person she was nominated against. And Jim Broadbent, who is also in this movie, won Best Supporting Actor that year also for Iris. Beating That's a movie I cannot watch. Wow, he was busy. He was also in um, Moulin Rouge. He yes. was in Moulin Rouge. Jim mm-hmm. Broadbent gets well, around. Wow. He just gives it away. Jeez. After fucking Topsy Turvy, Jim Broadbent was in high demand in American movies when you needed a British dad or like like authority figure because he was so good in fucking Topsy Turvy. Have you ever seen Topsy Turvy? Yes. Again? I've never seen oh. it. Oh my it's God. It's really good. Janine. Yeah. As a student of film, you simply must. Mm-hmm. Okay. You will, you will very, very much like it. Yeah. Okay. It's, Added it's very list. good. Done. Uh, that was also the year of Gosford Park and Mulholland Drive. Beautiful, beautiful mind. I'm not about it. Um, I'm not about the Mulholland Drive. Amelie. Oh, I love Mulholland Drive. Um, Memento, the Royal Tenenbaums. Good year for movies. Ghost Holy World. Holy shit. This was a big, that was a big year. Or a Shrek. Me, um, oh. Fellowship of the Ring. Mm. Um, I say it's a big year for movies, but I'm also Black like, Hawk maybe, down. maybe no. that's, I'll listen. So that's the film that actually almost got me to join the army. Oh, also, uh, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone was this year. Um, nope. Cause Jim Broadbent doesn't show up for much later. Anyway, Jim Broadbent, once British again, actors good were very busy this Bennett. year. When I saw that he was Mr. Bennett, I was like, you know what? I think he would make a very excellent Mr. Bennett in like a traditional play adaptation of it. He would be very good at that. Well, that's one of the things that I wanted to talk to y'all about, which maybe this is a good place to start our little plot summary since we meet both of our Bennett parents in the early scenes here. Um, But I think that maybe the best adaptation thing that Bridget Jones's diary does is that the parents are so dynamic. Like they're just, they're not particularly Mrs. Bennett. There's just Mm -hmm. way more substance. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and some of that is a great performance. That's Gemma Jones, who is also the mother in, um, sense and sensibility written by noted nemesis, Andrew Davies. Um, but (laughs) again, none of that's true. It's, it's none of it's true. Anyway, their relationship and the light that it sort of casts on Bridget and their connections with her, I, I just think is really one of the um, secret weapons of this movie, I think. I think that was Neil's favorite adaptive thing in the movie, too, because uh, at I know that this is going to be in part two of this particular podcast, but I'll just say the way the story is resolved. He loved that scene so much. He was like, I think that this is the right thing to do to remind people why they are together. Cause sometimes in pride and prejudice, it's like, I guess you couldn't get divorced back then. And that's a real bummer, but these people love each other. Also, yeah. I love the moment where she was like, you couldn't get enough of me. And I'm like, that's what happened in PP. That's why he married her. But yeah, I, I thought that the parents were more interesting. I love that the mom is the one that had the midlife crisis. Fuck. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So much more interesting. Got to wear a lot of glittery makeup. Oh, yeah. And in the book, that shit is completely different. You know that. That's a big change from the novel. Mm-hmm. Because in the novel, she actually leaves the country with that guy, and it turns out he's a criminal. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and Darcy wow. has to, Darcy's the one that fixes the case. Like, oh, he that's... takes the case, right? So that's his pride and prejudice. Darcy solving your problems for you shit in the book. Mm-hmm. So they completely took that out. Hmm. But they still have the creepy guy that she, this Fingali that takes her away and she's on TV and 
Yeah. I, I loved all the great jokes about his skin color. <laughs> like that great. tangerine. He's purple. He's, he's, well, he had like, he had a tangerine, the jaundice Julian, like a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was great. I love that. Um, so Julie, why don't you kick us off? Why don't we start with, uh, with Christmas day with the all Joneses? Right. Let's see. Turkey curry day. I will once again, as I am really apt to do on the days when we watch something that I am enjoying, my notes are not great because I was too busy actually watching and enjoying instead of writing bits. Let me, Um, I'm going to, I'll, I don't know why I haven't been doing this always. I'm going to just pull up a plot summary of Bridget Jones' diary to make sure that we don't skip anything giant. Okay. But you, you kick us off. Okay. So let's see. Let me make sure I'm on my right page. Okay. All right. So we're at that party, right? Pretty quickly. Yeah. She gets it. She leaves her house and goes to the turkey curry dinner, which is fucking perfect and hilarious. Buffet. Yes. It's one of my favorite. When buffet. somebody says buffet, I just I'm like, oh, yep. I oh love my God. you. It, Let's it get made Neil and I laugh so hard. We're like, oh, been there. I mean, even if my grandmother wasn't hosting a formal, like everybody buffet ugly sweater shit everybody's been to that party oh, right yeah. and you're just always like ugh. and so she heads there and her mom immediately starts with the uh you need to wear different clothes <laughs> so the mrs bennett connection is strong and she lets her know that darn darcy's here and so once again it, it just felt more like she was mrs bennett in this movie than she was in the book mm-hmm um, she lets Bridget know that Darcy, the uh, very uh, important and successful barrister who she ran around naked uh, when she was four. And, and his he paddling was paddling pool. Yeah, his paddling pool is going to be there. And Bridget's like, ugh, whatever. But then her mom makes her change clothes. So she has to go upstairs and put on a most hilarious costume. <laughs> it was that was the point where I was like, wait, how did I forget that the costumes in this are terrific? Like, we're mm-hmm. this is where we're starting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I was just like, great costuming in that old dress with the poinsettias on it and the waistcoat. Oh, my God, it's terrible. Oh, it's terrible. And then this is where we learned that Jim Broadbent is her dad. So he's basically Mr. Bennett. And I was like, I would watch that. He would be great at that. That, I think Um, that scene is so important. I promise I'm not going to talk about every character in this movie. But uh, I think that scene is really important for specifically the parent storyline that we Mm -hmm. were talking about. Because there's a point when she says it's you and Bridget have your little grown up club of two and you are laughing at, oh, whatever silly thing mommy has done now. And you see that happen. And it's not they're obviously not attempting to be cruel, but they are. It is a party of two. And mom's not invited. So you exactly like pee pee. Exactly (laughs) like pee pee. Yeah. So, yeah, I think Mm -hmm. I love that little exchange. And Jib Broadbent is so fucking good in everything. Always. Oh, I nice. also like that he's just kind of standing there in the corner, not putting himself out there, not talking to anybody and just huffing cigarettes down. So you can see that this Mr. Bennett does have maybe a little bit of social anxiety, mm-hmm. which I think is true of the OG Mr. B. <laughs> but they didn't talk about it back then. He never wanted to be around people. He, you know, he only wanted to be around Lizzie and occasionally his family. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I have to say, was this movie produced in part by Marlboro? Because there were so many fucking cigarettes <laughs> yeah, well, in Well, it film. was the mid 90s. Everybody was smoking. Well, this was 2001, but certainly the the book is a product of that. Yeah, yeah, right. And the the book uh, we, uh, Aaron and I, determined 1996. So that was actually the year that I was there, and I can tell you, everybody was still smoking in England at that time. (laughs) Damn, every single person. It was jarring. I used to to see in that. That was crazy. 
Uh, I have that later. I'm like, everybody smokes. Yeah. <laughs> Bridget smoking in her apartment um, is really, uh, there's a lot of, oh, that's a whole mood when it comes to Bridget herself, especially yeah, totally. in this year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so she sees him at the party and it's weird, right? She says some weird shit. Like, how does it go down? He's wearing that jumper. <laughs> jumper means sweater to you um, American English Yanks. speakers. Yeah, listen, I, uh, I, I I did not know that when I was dating uh, my ex-girlfriend in, in the UK. I sent some odd mm. pictures. Ooh. She asked to know about some, my jumper and I was like, I don't know what that means. So I sent her some uh, cable jumper. Uh, never mind. Oh, gonna... like jumping cables. <laughs> Good. Janine, you have... I thought it was a nude. I thought no. you were saying, yeah, I definitely thought that somehow you were saying that she asked for a picture of your jumper and you sent her a picture of your dick. Yes, that's it. I mean, oh, no. come on. Good God. <laughs> I mean, I'd don't clarify do, that one. Don't do that. How like, long have you known us? Uh, well, four years What do we now. talk about? Dixon. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So... <laughs> Dixon. Dixon. Whatever. I mean, Dix is really it. <laughs> Speaking of Dick, Speaking of and here's where my bad notes come in. It's all because of him. It's like Greece. I hate Greece. <laughs> <laughs> I think it means it's about uh Hugh Grant. So is it does she have a breakdown scene before we see her at work, or do we see her at work first? You know what I mean? We, she doesn't go to work until after she leaves that party and then goes home and the opening credits happen and she's alone. And what made her cry? Who said something to her? Oh, well, somebody. Had, so, I mean, oh, she, she heard him. For lots she of, heard him. I think right. it's yeah. like a, like a general look at your life, look at your choices kind of crying. Um, one of the great lip syncing scenes in cinema. Um, however, she does. They have their. Um, it would not be a horror for me to stand up with moment like that right. moment where where she overhears Darcy talking shit about her only instead he calls her God, I should have gotten the full quote um, because it's really funny. But I got I know I got part of it. Um, a verbally incontinent spinster. Yes. <laughs> with and then he just keeps going and she overhears him and then sort of makes a weird joke out of it and walks by. It's very Lizzie Bennett. It's just not quite as polished like lizzie mm-hmm. is a little bit more imperious whereas bridget is like yep i'm a mess fuck you <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and takes her turkey curry to the next room yeah but then goes home and cries it out to celine dion singing all by myself and this is something that i find interesting that's separate from pp she does not have a jane she does not have somebody to like break it down with. She does not have uh, a sounding board or whatever. So we get to see a lot of her being alone, which I think is super great and interesting because she's having to process everything herself. She doesn't have other people to talk to or other people she trusts well, to and, talk to. And she does. They're just not her sister who she also lives right. with, right? Because they don't, they don't live in her bedroom. Because I love, I think that the the like friend gang here is really great because we don't spend that much time with them, but they're all so specific that you just understand them right away. Um, and then they obviously love her very deeply as evidenced by the fact that they all recognize that obviously Mark is the right choice. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. like very clearly the, the the quickness with which they side with Mark um, and then their willingness to to sort of um, 
scoop her up and and take her off to Paris at the end. Anyway, Julie, Mm -hmm. yes, I agree. We see her on her own way more than we see Lizzie Bennet on her own, but they don't do the shitty thing that people do sometimes where they just take away a woman's social life and assume that that is fine um, because she still has an emotional support system. It's just Mm -hmm. not her sister. Right. And she, you also just get to see her living. Yeah. Just like when she's getting ready for the new job later, you get to see her vacuuming and trying to bone up on current events. Like she's actually just living, just a person. (laughs) And I think that's cool. I think that's a a lot of it is to take away the mythology of like the heroine of a romantic comedy. I feel like, uh, like Scotty said in the chat about you get to see the female lead be messy. And when we say messy, I think what I mean, what I think of when I think of that is just being normal, just being a person, mm-hmm. being dirty, sometimes not taking a shower that morning. Sometimes your hair's fucked up. Who gives a shit? Sometimes you like, I like that. Me too. And so I think Bridget Jones does a very good job of that. Well, and, yeah. and now that like, wow, I'm a mess trope has been taken to its extreme to the point where it's now something that people make fun of right like mm-hmm. if you ask someone to make a trailer that's for a parody of a rom-com there would absolutely be an unbelievably gorgeous woman um who is like slightly disheveled and that's how we know that she's unfuckable and she slips on a <laughs> banana peel and falls into a kiddie pool and then the handsome lead comes over and is like somebody better get you a towel right and this isn't that because it's mm-hmm. she's a whole human being. She's not a collection of idiosyncrasies. So when people do that now, they're doing it in large part because Bridget Jones did it so well at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But it manages to avoid all of the pitfalls that came after. Mm-hmm. The character in the book is just so much more self-defeating, mm-hmm. and weirdly. And I don't know if that's just a choice, an adaptive choice that they made to make that not quite as much of a feature as the movie. Cause she's really like, they do a little, they do little sprinklings of it. Well, they'll show you or show her writing like her weight and how many cigarettes she smoked in the book. That's the beginning of every single chapter. Mm-hmm. Man. And I have to tell you that that is, uh, that has an effect cumulatively. You oh, keep yeah. reading the same thing and you just keep feeling her hatred of herself And I think in this adaptation, this movie, it's not as dire. I don't know. I don't know how to say it. It just feels feels better. There's like a running, that running count too, because suddenly as the reader, you become very aware of like, what was the previous number? Did it go Mm -hmm. up? Did it go down? If Mm -hmm. it's gone up, she probably feels worse about herself. If it went down, she feels better about herself, maybe. And Mm -hmm. like that can be, and that's, that's that's troubling to, to kind of like have that one number goes up or down and suddenly gives you this, the mood of an entire chapter. It's, like, and it does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is very, which is also a very real thing. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably why it's also maybe. So, mm-hmm. uh, hmm, interesting. After Mark does not fancy a gherkin and, um, <laughs> and she gets called a verbally incontinent spinster and she hangs out in her very cool, but very like attainably cool apartment with her but cool it, mini fireplace and her cool God. couch. And the but cool she walls. lives in London. That is not attainable. What I'm saying, where does she get this money? I'm not talking about financially attainable. Okay. Um, I'm talking about like the giant pile of magazines. I'm just oh, talking relatable. about like style. Relatable. Well, no, I mean, also attainable because mm. the pa- places people live in rom-coms, regardless of the financial improbabilities, like no one's kitchen ever looks like that. That's not it's how a kitchen's the, look. 
they're right. always staged real estate photos is what they feel totally. like. Totally. Yes. Like, Whereas this, this is, is like, like there's a little stain on the carpet and her couch looks really old. And, um, and yeah, it's, uh, I have, <laughs> a mess. she watches Frasier followed by money, this apartment. <laughs> Uh, and then this is where Hugh Grant makes his first entrance. Yeah. So when a stone cold fox shows up um, at so the office at Pemberley Press, F. is it really Pemberley oh, Press? Yeah, Pemberley oh my press. god, I did oh, not even great. notice that. Yeah, mm. Pemberley press. I did press. not notice that. Mm-hmm. I do know that right now in this part of her job, the publishing company is on a big blitz for their new book, and it's called Kafka's Motorbike, and that shit is fucking hilarious. <laughs> and I just need everybody to like get on board because when I really took that in, I was like, oh. And then that it says this is the best book of all time or whatever on all the press materials. I was like, oh, yes. God, the payoff, we'll get there eventually, but the payoff for that is so good. It's so satisfying um, for that being the quote that they're attempting to sell to people Kafka's motorbike. Um, so she is the PR person at a big publicity, at, at, at a big publishing company, Pemberley Press. Pemberley Press. Uh, where her immediate boss um, is not. Penumbra? What the hell's her name? Perpetua. Perpetua. And trust, Neil has a solid joke for that later. Okay, great. Well, (laughs) her boss is not Perpetua, who is slightly senior. Her boss is uh, Stone Cold Fox, circa 2001, Hugh Grant, with teen beat hair and mm-hmm. no undershirt just mm-hmm. like and big ass collar that's popped up and like can like he can almost like hide in them and like i don't know there's something about collars like that that make me yeah that collar is gonna ruin your life that's like mm-hmm. that guy that's that, a, the combination of that guy and that collar just gonna yeah it's gonna that's ruin actually interesting because in sense and sensibility he wears a costume where the collar comes up yeah, like just that too. Listen, yeah listen mm-hmm. so when i get my calf boots and my cape there's gonna yes. be a big ass collar on it that's gonna great lock off my cheeks you won't even be able to see it <laughs> good you gotta keep them you gotta make sure jasper can't eat your cheeks yeah this you're is, right my fantasy costume is now about protecting myself from jasper i love it <laughs> cheek guards, <laughs> cheek guards. <laughs> but but then your cape also needs like cat pockets so if you want to yeah. carry jasper around with you you can totally so she talks about her job and she talks about her hot boss. And then there's a flashback or something to where they're doing karaoke in their office. And she is hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Her, and like the lead up to that was like, I don't think he likes me anymore because of this thing. And she was fucking wonderful. It was so hilarious. <laughs> Neil looked at me the entire time it was happening. And I was like, yes, I understand why you're doing that. <laughs> it's a really good, bad karaoke scene. Mm-hmm. Again, yeah. rom-coms after this, many rom-coms would try. Few would succeed. And it's mm-hmm. not an isolated instant. Obviously, they, Bridget Jones didn't invent the let's find a reason for someone to sing in a rom-com trope. But um, usually it's too cute. This is like, nope, that's what doing karaoke is like. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep. Mm-hmm. And then, so now we know the Wickham. And now we meet the friends. And this is where we get the little breakdown of each one of her friend group and what they're about. And I love what's his name from Battlestars Galactica thing where people still recognize him from some one hit wonder he had like 10 years before. <laughs> that shit is awesome. It's so good. It's, it's so, so funny. Good. It's really good. He figured out that it was enough of a hit to get him laid for the rest of the 90s. So we like, just never recorded anything else. Like, nope. listen, if you want to be a musician and a singer, that's kind of what got you into it, maybe. And then if you realize you've, like, you've done it, you're like, well, why do I have to fucking do this thing anymore? I'm, I'm done. done. That's good. <laughs> I'm good. This one worked. This is and one and done. You, you've got the high-powered uh, broker, power broker. I don't even know 
what her job was, the friend that cries about her boyfriend all the time, which is hilarious because that's the like reflection of Bridget Mm -hmm. that she died. Like this career woman has it all together, but she can't get it together with her man. And that shit's funny. And in the book, that's a way bigger story. Uh, Oh, is it? Jude is Jude. Yes. Pretty great character. Yeah. And then I cannot remember the no nonsense woman's name. Shazza. That's played by by the fucking great woman from Miranda. In Miranda, she plays the most tittery, ridiculous, posh bitch who's always saying do and shit like that. Oh my god, she's so funny. Sally Phillips is her name. Thank you. She is she's a great comedic actress, and so I'm glad she got to have this kind of like cursy, down to earth part because uh, it's fun fact. You will be seeing her again very soon. What is she doing? She's in Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Fuck oh, yes. nice. Yeah, good. Good. Uh, that's exciting yeah that's yeah. great but do you know who she's playing guess who she's playing just guess i want to say mrs bennett yep oh yeah! i'm sorry listeners listeners oh my i God, nodded that will be so awesome yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so <laughs> we meet the friends uh who are uh they all have their own shit that they're dealing with uh, but they are definitely all about bridget turning over her new leaf um Except for they all are just convinced that she's going to sleep with her hot boss, who's bad news, who begins flirting with her because of, and it must be said, it's excellent banter, because her skirt called in sick for work. Like, don't sexually harass your employees. However, if you're acting out some sort of role-playing situation where you are pretending to be the boss and your consenting adult partner is the employee and you want to have some fun try it looks like your skirt called in sick to work try verbal games yeah yeah i was so uncomfortable during that email scene yes i was uncomfortable for one very specific reason how is he typing these sexual harassment messages he's smoking and drinking he doesn't have a hand free Oh, no, it made that worse. I don't know if you guys noticed that, but no, he literally was smoking and drinking in his office and didn't have a hand free to be sending those MSN office messages so quickly. <laughs> oh, you know, that's actually I think that that was the underlying that I'm now realizing why I was so uncomfortable because I was like, it could be someone else. I could maybe she's going to email the guy who's not entry, actually Is interested. Is it Perpetua trying to wreck her job? I, that's, I think that's what I was so freaked out about. I was like, it might not be him. It's MSN. There were so many scammers on that stuff, man. Don't knock, do that. Knock, it's the future. No, it's just her dirtbag boss trying to get in her panties. Oh, and he does. And that was gross, too. Mm-hmm. But which obviously she She's enthusiastically into. consents. Sure. Um, however, don't sexually harass your employees. Uh, so enthusiastically that she wears a, a see-through shirt to work after that, which I have to admit. That's that was, taking that role play a little bit with too the, far. The tiniest skirt. Just uh, the tiniest. It was like a belt. Yeah. It was so small. And that shirt, like, I understand that it's see-through, but it didn't look good. Like, it was all kind of bunchy and shit. You saw her that sitting there, and I'm very, like, oh, girl. That was very, like, um, I, I don't know. It was very Britney at the time. It was mm-hmm. very, it, it's, it exists somewhere between the Spice Girls and Britney Spears yes. in terms of bad fashion choices. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, but it, it, it's a very good visual gag. I laughed out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have their little flirtation 
And then her and, friends give her some um, uh, really bad advice on how to seal the deal. It must be said. The horrible advice. Horrible yeah. advice. It does lead to the delightful scene of, of Bridget introducing people with their relevant facts, though. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So the big gig at Pemberley Press is that they're about to release this hilarious Kafka's motorcycle book, motorbike book, and they're about to have the big release party. And so they go to this release party and Bridget gets the advice from her friends to ignore Wickham. What's his name? David? I can't remember. Daniel. Thank you. To ignore Daniel and to flirt with all the other men there. Gross. And to like, and like introduce, like, it's like the really kind of benign, like introduce smartly, like, I mean, be intelligent and witty. And it's like, how sometimes that's not, that's what kind of advice is that? Sometimes I don't know those things about those people. Yeah. Horrible about the situation in Chechnya. (laughs) Chechnya. Chechnya. She's so fucking good. It's very funny. Vacuuming with that sick, again, like it's a, it's not, it's not an image that you're like, that's definitely how I want to present myself but it's a whole ass mood vacuuming and her cardigan and her underwear smoking cigarette practicing how to say chechnya god bless yes it's so good (laughs) it's just it's a real hoot and so to no one's surprise the party is an absolute disaster first of all nobody can stop asking salman rushdie where the fucking toilet is I laughed so hard. First of all, hers is hilarious because it's that awkward bumbling thing. And then the call back with with uh, Daniel's asking him where the bathroom is. I'm like, that is, that is Salman Rushdie. I love that little moment because that's when you know for sure, in case you hadn't read Pride and Prejudice and or had never seen a rom-com before, that's when you know for sure that he's bad news because he is also full of shit. He's just faking it much better, which means he can never be trusted. Like, I don't know what job he has, but he definitely does not have anything to talk to Salman Rushdie about. He nope. has nothing to say. That's a great read of that moment, too. Yeah. He has nothing to say. Mm-hmm. Um uh, I I love the scene because of her speech, because of her oh, terrible so intro, good. which there's th- the whole business about her realizing how many famous authors are in the room. So the greatest book ever written, all of a sudden you're like, well, excuse me, Mr. Rushdie, except for Midnight's <laughs> Children. <laughs> right. Like, except for everything that you all wrote, definitely one of the top 30 books. 30, for sure in the top 30. <laughs> At least. At, At just least. Just the absolute dread that she's going to end up saying tits pervert, tits pervert instead of Fitzherbert. Mm-hmm. That was, that's the kind of thing so that would, good. Oh, it's just, it's great. Um, that's also the scene where we meet Natasha. Natasha, who's just the worst, played by Embeth Davis, probably best known as Miss Honey in the film version of Matilda. And those two (gasps) characters could not be less alike. This is true. She is my uh, she's my crush in this film. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's 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 a stone cold fox. She is. She's gorgeous. She's Miss Honey is like very early. Wow. I should have figured out I was bisexual moment for me in my (laughs) development. Um, Just very, really early. Apparently, this is a common experience. Lots of girls who had little crushes on Miss Honey. I feel I would be remiss if I didn't remind us that we got to be treated to a sexy getting ready montage. And that was very credit. Crazy ex-girlfriend right before she got for this party. Yes. So. Yeah, I just yeah, had yeah. to throw that in. There. Sexy yeah. bra up top, 
nightmare spanks down below. Oh my god, she goes for the granny panties, but I understand why it fucking sucks it in. Yeah, well, and you Whatever. gotta like, you know, gotta make it through the night. Well, the, and the yeah. calculation here is, do you wear the nightmare spanks panties to make it more likely that you get laid, or do you wear the get laid panties in case you get laid? And I think she made the right calculus. Make it mm-hmm. happen and worry about it after. Yeah. Yes. And it's a hot dress. It was a hot She dress. looks good. She Here's looks my first Mrs. Bennett having a midlife crisis is a great choice note. Okay. So this is when she starts working for the Julian and the TV show. So what was she? She just, her situation is very understandable because she is a woman that didn't have a career, was raised all her children, and all of a sudden in her like 50s realized, I, d- I don't have anything. And that's co- like a cool storyline, mm-hmm. obviously, that we don't get. We, we discussed this a little bit earlier. We don't get with the actual Mrs. Bennett and PP. So she, what's the deal with her at the store showing like she exhibits items? Yeah, she's doing like, it's like she's offering you lemonade at Trader Joe's, only instead she's demonstrating how an egg peeler works. And it is oh. unbelievably suggestive. <laughs> It's oh, hilarious. It's so God. gross. Oh, you got sprayed with the yolk, the yolk, uh, the yokings or whatever she calls it. Something Ugh, gross uh, peeling. But, but she's out of that now. And now she's moved on to this predator who found her and uh, started giving her compliments. And she's going to go be on the home shopping network with this guy, Julian. OK, cool. And having what sounds like some very adventurous sex. Um, and then we see Mr. Bennett and he is very sad. He's extremely sad. Yeah. And now we see where Bridget gets some shit. Yeah. From both of them. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Bad choices and sadness. Yes. Uh, and I'm them. sure she gets other really great things from both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, we also, around this point, learn that uh, according to Daniel, psst, this is where the prejudice comes in. Um, according to Daniel, Mark slept with his fiance. Um, which, who is that? We're not sure. Is it... Uh, is it Mark's Japanese ex-wife, perhaps? Um, maybe. We don't know. Hmm. I wonder if that'll be important later. Um, hmm. So that's when we get our um, Wickham telling tales on Mr. Darcy moment. Right. I think very effectively. Yes. And um, no spoilers. Daniel and Bridget get down. Yeah. Get down hard. Yeah. They get down. Yeah. yeah and he's like, he's into the granny panties. Yeah. Well, he's he's into making jokes about her. That's also what he's into. Yeah, it was like it was a little. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's into what seems like self-deprecating humor, but it's kind of reminding her that she's beneath him. Yeah. She is also obviously a lot of fun. Right. And they do have a lot of fun together when he's not putting her in her place, which is (sighs) fucking weird. It is. It's extremely weird. Yeah. So she, I don't know, how much do we have to do about this? They fuck each other. He tells her the truth. And then all of a sudden he's taking her on a holiday weekend and they end up in the same place as Darcy and Natasha. Yeah, they're going, it's a, it's like a two stop situation. They're having a a weekend getaway. um, And then on the way back, they're stopping at 
her creepy uncle Jeffrey, who's not actually her uncle, his tarts and vicars party. So she's yes. bringing her bringing her boyfriend, who has never said he's her boyfriend, to a family function. He also never says he loves her. He just does a bunch of shit that makes it seem like he does. Um, mm-hmm. Where she's like, I love you. And he's like, oh, ma, 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 ma. come here, you play. You're like, no, mm-hmm. Bridget, this is so bad. This is really bad news. Uh, and it Can happens somebody- to be that Darcy and Natasha are also staying at this hotel because they are also going to the Tarson Vickers party. Can someone walk me through the beginnings and stories about Tarson Vickers parties and why they exist? That's because a- that's very clearly, and even in the book, it is very clearly a thing. It is a theme. It is a thing. And like, I'm reading this book, watching this movie, and I'm like, the only reason why this exists is to humiliate people. Wait, it's, like, a, it's a thing to like say it's a, a Tarts and Vickers and then not have it be a Tarts and Vickers? No, 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 no. Just the entire idea of Tarts oh, and Vickers. Yeah. Like, let's get all the women dressed up slutty and just, I mean, I guess it's kind of Halloween in America, but like, it just feels very specific. And I wish I knew what the tradition was. Where did that, where did mm. that phrase come from? Where did that like idea come from sure i don't know i just tr- I attempted know. to to see if there's a wikipedia page for it and there does not appear to be one all right whatever historic okay. hey, you know what one of you out there is a fucking nerd about history of like and costume parties parties you know what this means <laughs> right. please tell us what it means we love you yeah. mm-hmm. um so it, it, it's just like if i ever need a fact about salamanders i know i can turn to our listenership and in this moment <laughs> i know that i can also turn to you for this history nugget um so in a surprise move to no one daniel craps out and does not go to this ooh, party because apparently the company is in huge trouble and Bridget would have no idea because she just oh. fannies about with press releases. What yep. a fucking So he's got to go to an emergency meeting. He's just going to drop her at her parents' house and as it turns out Uncle Jeffrey, who really sucks can't be said enough. Uncle Jeffrey he's the worst. He's the worst. He's even worse than Daniel. <laughs> it's just because it's much creepier. It's much creepier. Mm-hmm. Um just didn't tell several people that they canceled the theme part of the theme party. So Bridget shows up in her Playboy bunny costume, which is very cute on her. Like she looks really mm-hmm. cute. Uh, and um, N- evil Natasha is immediately such an asshole about it. And she and her poor dad both got l- both missed the memo and are there respectively as a tart and a vicar. Mm-hmm. And her dad obviously is still sad that Mrs. Bennett left. Mrs. Jones. I'm sorry. Mrs. Jones left. And he's trying to make her jealous a little bit, but it's not working. And he's very, very sad. Yeah, I got to say, it wasn't the greatest advice for Bridget to offer to say. Well, that it was contagious flirt. advice because it's what her friends mm-hmm. told her to talk yeah. to exactly people. the same thing. Yeah. No, yeah. it's bad advice no matter who you get it from. It's yeah, not good. Not good. Um, and then Bridget goes back to London and immediately goes straight to Daniel's house because I, I just she felt so bad because she just got trashed. Like it's actually kind of difficult to watch. Mm-hmm how mean the people were to her Yeah, at a party where she was doing a theme and nobody told her. And then it, there's a lot of weird, like a little abuse situations that happen to her. They're not great. Mm-hmm. And so she goes back to London and in her insecurity, she's like, well, I need, I need a friendly face. So she just goes to Daniel's house because he went back home to work. Right. She went, she went to see her boyfriend expecting that to be a good idea. Guess what he was doing? Fucking an American holding a binder. 
<laughs> Why is she holding that binder? In the bathroom. Bathroom binder. Is this is this why rich people are rich? They just have binders of important documents in all their bathrooms? Well, oh, I guarantee my boss has binders stacked up next to his toilet. I was looking at that, like the walls of his apartment condo place that he lives. How many books does a man have? It's an entire like library. He lives in a library. That apartment well, but- is f- fucking se- apartment. That loft Jeez. is he sexy as hell. He works in publishing. But we know that maybe he's a charlatan. So the easiest way for him to uh, uh, impart an air of knowledge and uh, competency is to fill his house with books. I bet they're all like publisher copies. He hasn't read one of them. Books he's never read. He's just put, I guarantee he's never read. Oh, oh, Publish this I one. It's he's you. read some of them. He collects some of them. first editions of one specific author. Yes. And also like... Caught. Like rarity, <laughs> like comic, but just rarities or like, um, uh, l- like the work of a specifically obscure artist. And of course he's never in any of it. And he yeah. just fucking loves infinite jest. <gasps> oh, that's so right. Yeah. Like he just, it's not that book's fault that douchebags pretend to like it, but that's so right. He's he into it. definitely missed the point of the American Psycho adaptation. Like he just he's 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 not great. He's not great. But it's a sick apartment. Um, sick apartment. So first of all, he totally gaslights Bridget and makes her feel like an idiot for being suspicious that he has someone there yeah. uh, right. when he very clearly wants her to leave. And she, and he convinces her and she apologizes. Oh, and then oh, yeah, right as he's rough. leading her out, like I'll see you at work, darling. Blah 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 blah. Pink cardigan. Pink sparkly cardigan. So she goes and looks in the bathroom and it's a bitch with a binder in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And she, and then oh and then she says I you said she was skinny. What the fuck was oh, that? Oh no, you told me she was thin. thin. You said she was thin. <laughs> Just a nightmare. Aaron, I'm sorry. Who's Aaron? Who's Aaron? Janine, if there's something that you take away from this and if you ever read the book, I just want you to see the number that uh, just patriarchal culture has done on women's perception of how much they weigh and what their body looks like. Yeah. yeah. It's terrible. It's, yeah. It's yeah. it's really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, fuck boys. Just don't, yes. what a fuck, fuck this guy. guy. He's just, he's a, like a great character because he's so believably shitty. And yet you completely understand why it is that she's so into him, um, mm-hmm. which makes it really sad. Like the rest of her, the evolution of the character really satisfying. Mm-hmm. Um, it does seem like they did have some good bone downtime though. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. say that. Well, something mm-hmm. they did was illegal somewhere. <laughs> In some I countries. Was just butt yeah. sex. Yeah, it was butt sex. Yeah, I figured was that was butt sex. sex. Yeah. Well, I mean... I was assuming that as well, but also given the year, maybe I feel like we weren't as commonly seeing cunnilingus in pop culture. So I thought maybe there was a chance that it was that, but no, it was probably butt sex. sex. Probably butt sex. Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah. I don't think, I don't think he's that gracious of a lover either. So I don't know if he'd be down for that. I don't know. It seems like she, it seems like he was working her top. It seems like he was doing it right. Like she was into it and and it wasn't, uh, they very much liked having sex with each other. They were enthusiastically fucking each other. So to me that means it was fun. A lot of fun. Yes. It was fun. fun. Yes. Um, We also, uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything in this before we 
get to Bridget turning over a new leaf, which is how we're going to start our next episode. So yes, right now I I'm think trying to think, sense. is there anything else in the first half of this movie that we should touch on before we break and move on to episode two? Um, I got, there's one point. I don't know why she was so judgy of his, of the reindeer jumper. I thought that was quite adorable. Well, just she needed some, leverage. She wanted to, to dislike him because she was so embarrassed because she, I mean, who wants to like a person their parents was trying to set them up with. And also I think some of it is just that she saw him from the back and was like, look at this stone cold Fox and this nice green turtleneck, man, that I bet his pecs are going to look great in that thing. And then he turns around and it's a reindeer jumper. Mm-hmm. Although, mm. you know what, when she gets past the prejudice about the rain, the reindeer jumper, that's when she discovers that he was just wearing it to please his mother, which is pretty hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's Make darling. your mom feel good. Do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Be a good son. That's pretty sexy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if there's anything else. Like we see. Kind of hit all the pieces. Uh, there's a great cordless phone here. Cordless phone is important. Oh, yeah. That yeah. old ass. Phone. Oh, well, that's also a big thing that's going to come back in the second part is it's very easy to forget at least in this first half of the movie, that this is kind of pre-general internet usage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because she would have sudden, found out in... What, yes. If she had Googled... Sorry, if she had asked Jeeves... If she had binged his ass. Yeah, to look and see who, like, what Daniel's relationship to Mark's w- wife was or his ex-fiance or whatever, she would have found out so fast. Somebody wrote a Tumblr about it. You know what I mean? Someone like somebody with a guy that notable in the publishing industry and then like a fancy human rights attorney. I promise you there was some sort you somewhere on the Internet. You can find information about that kerfuffle. But it wasn't that time. You know, I will say that the before the Internet thing, it was a little bit prescient in what we're about to discuss with her having a viral moment, even though that viral moments didn't work the same way then as they do now. And I think that's interesting, because if that shit had happened now she would have been world famous in like two days mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah you know yeah it's interesting and yeah. we'll get to that next time um here yeah. are the last couple of things i want to say um first of all shame on you for forgetting shaz's name uh, because her defining characteristic is that she likes to say fuck a lot as defined oh, yes. by the movie which makes her one of us she's the unofficial mm-hmm. fourth host of this episode um, agreed because she likes to say fuck a lot. Uh, the scene in the elevator is is pretty hot. I'm not going to lie. Um, f- don't grab your employee's ass. But yeah. if you're with a consenting adult and there's like oh, like a weird dude who wants a meeting later in the elevator with you, that's a little hot. That's, don't, no, am I alone? I just feel like the whole job thing yeah. made it fucking weird. Oh, no, it, is, it is absolutely fucking. I mean, yeah. it's terrible. He's he is the fucking worst. But you can understand yeah. why or at least I can understand why she thought it was hot. I, too, were I in her situation, she would have thought it. it was hot. Sure. Yeah. yeah, she was into it. I, I am having such a hard time with that. Looking at it from the outside, it is not great. Oh, it's yeah. a terrible relationship. Yeah. But yeah. but thinking thinking of cinema as a vehicle for empathy, when you are in Bridget Jones's shoes, and this movie makes it so easy to understand her perspective, you're like, yeah. oh, of mm-hmm. course. I mean, like she knows he's bad news. She just wants to fuck. She just, she just wants to. And fuck then he's <laughs> he does a very good job of making it seem like it's more than that. Yes. I, I think maybe that's the first moment where I realized it wasn't someone catfishing her on MSN Messenger. <laughs> <laughs> that was maybe that's why I had a hard time because I was like, "Oh no, it's it is actually it him. is actually him." 
I love that you thought she's been catfished. I mean, what has the last 20 years taught us? Don't fucking talk to strangers on the internet. Don't talk dirty unless you're like, I know it's that person because I can see them typing. I don't yeah, know. It's, I mean, Just you really are. You're, it's, it's, it's work. It's yeah. work. You gotta make um, it work. Uh, also, um, every time he calls her Jones, that's that's one of my things. That's one of my favorite mini tropes is uh, people calling heroines by their last name and only their mm-hmm. last name. I love it. Um, and s- sad bunny. <laughs> I just wrote sad bunny. Oh, well, we should talk about the pond thing, because this is one of my favorite moments in the movie uh, oh. because of all of the connections that it that it calls back to the, to our precious BBC PPAE nemesis. Um, mm-hmm. Because it's a reversal, obviously, because it's uh, Hugh Grant and not Colin Firth that falls in the pond. And there's sort of a comment on that and um, Andrew Davies involvement. And it's hot in the exact same way, but also the exact opposite way. I just think it's really smart and, and sort of like, uh, oddly brave like you if you're going to reference your own shit that's really tooting your own horn it had better be something worth referencing but i think it totally is oh yeah Yeah. i know janine had a strong reaction to this scene i i mean i'm i'm actually like holding the reins on my reaction to that right now because it was just like release the reins part of the episode (sighs) you should go listen like it was just like the fucking like i I was a little bit perturbed that she was rowing her own boat yes like why were they separate from each other that was a little odd maybe a little too metaphorical and then when he fell in and he stood up and the fucking he was backlit and shiny and wet and his fucking cigarette and his hair was slicked back and he had this fucking collars. He was a fit man. <laughs> yes. He was a fit man. Yes. Jesus. Very fit. Very Good fit. God. This is extremely oh. fit. Uh, I mm-hmm. I was I was loudly I'm fairly certain I heard my neighbors knock on their ceiling because my reaction was of this quality. We'll move the mic a little bit. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> that. I was I was very excited. How weird! Me too. <laughs> uh, I think it's worth ending with this because this is like a, a good cap. Um, the thing that really the insult to injury moment here is when she comes into his office to attempt to try to do her job, and he is so patronizing and so condescending, and then he tells her that they're engaged, which oh. is psychotic. And I don't know why American what's her face with the binder dumped him when she he, when he says later that they broke up, but it was definitely not because he wasn't over Bridget. That's not. Yeah, it was not that. When he said that they got engaged, that was like a second moment where I was just, I screamed, no, what? And I started laughing maniacally because it was just too ins- stupid, too stupid, too insane. Neil has one of those later, yeah. but it's Darcy related. Ooh. And he's like, is this earned? Mm. And I had to say no. And I, I have the note about it for next episode, Great. but it's, it, they're definitely playing hard and fast with a, the adaptation of the actual novel and be a little bit of the pp tropes mm. they're kind of fucking they're trying to occasionally there's a little bit of a force trying to get it into something to move it on but you can forgive it because fucking renee zellweger is so charming and the character of bridget jones you just want to watch yeah so you don't get too mad you're like oh it's just rom-com shit mm-hmm. yeah right 
Well, and it oh, it's not all of those things. Obviously, there are tropes here that are as old as Shakespeare, basically, right? Like there are things here that have been in rom coms forever. Um, but obviously, but some of it is, you know, we see it all the time now because Bridget Jones invented it, which is mm-hmm. cool. It's there aren't that many pop cultural artifacts where you can say, oh, that changed the entire genre forever. But Bridget mm-hmm. Jones is one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his his engagement to the woman from New York is stretching it, though. Yeah, it's just a little bit like that doesn't make any sense. Well, I mean, I guess it depends on how long they've been together, because she obviously knows about Bridget, which would mean that she would be OK with him, you know, being involved with somebody else sexually. Um, That's right. So, I, I mean, for all we know, they've been fucking for two years and they decide mm-hmm. to get married. Who knows why? Um, because they both obviously make terrible decisions um, and then don't get married mm-hmm. because don't that's not a guy you marry. No, you have to wait for a, his about a boy phase when <laughs> he starts to question his playboy ways. Then mm-hmm. maybe if you're Rachel Weiss, then maybe you consider being like, yeah, OK, I don't usually date fuck boys, but I could date you. Maybe. Have you guys seen that movie? I this is we mm-hmm. talked about it in the crowdcast today too. I love About a Boy. <laughs> I've seen the beginning. I don't think I've seen the whole entire it's thing. It's really worth seeing the whole thing. Hugh Grant yeah. is very, very good in it. Um yeah. and it's definitely him sort of interrogating this part of his persona, and it's really cool. Hmm. Um well that's gonna do it for the first half of this movie. Look mm-hmm. at us. It's, Yay, we did we it. Definitely we we went over an hour, but yeah, but ten, by, by 10 minutes. By our standards, yeah, this nothing. is a giant picture. That's pretty picture. Um, Listen, I want to give us all an applause. Yeah, I mean, we're going to, we are going to get up, uh, head to the, the, the water closet and, and tend to our necessary and get some more coffee or uh, fake cocktails or whatever it else that y- y'all are drinking. Julie, what are you drinking? I never asked you what you're drinking. Oh, I had, well, was drinking something with a cherry Manhattan, Manhattan with soda. Nice. Oh, nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but you are going to go about the rest of your day, dear listener, and do whatever it is you're going to do next. We are going to be back next week talking about the second half of Bridget Jones's diary written in part by noted nemesis of Emma Thompson. And, <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and you will hear that soon. Um, but for now we're going to do all the normal, going away stuff you can find us on facebook at facebook.com slash podlandercast you can find us on twitter at podlandercast you can find us on patreon where you can join the slack you can get information on our crowdcast sessions where we chat before we watch something or if it's an episode of tv while we watch something um and uh our lunch breaks and a whole bunch of other little perks at patreon.com slash podlander drunk cast we want to thank all of our patrons who make it possible for us to do this um it is you know not cheap so we couldn't do it without you thank you so much but we especially want to thank the following people and patreon is still not working hold on sing microphone aaron Sorry, who's microphone, <laughs> microphone. I know what's going on, kind of microphone. Great. I've been growing in my life, getting little more knowledge points, but still, microphone, microphone. I don't know what's going on, microphone. Getting a little more knowledge points? 
Yeah, I'm in the of playing D&D. That's my life now. <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay, great. We want to thank all of our patrons, but especially the following folks. Julia Gulia, Kathleen Martini, Kelsey Kemp, Madison Johnson, Emily Day, Betsy English, Caitlin Reddick, Ashley Tegason, The Other Janine, Kristen, Freckled Fury, Liz Ooh. and Tinkerbell, Stella Welch, Chrissy Shively, Denise Perkins, Kayla Reagan, Rachel Lazon, Rochelle Lefevre, Amanda Smazazazaza, Heather Robbins, <laughs> Brittany Holbert, Emily Carlson, Amy Gustafson, Rachel Townsend, Steph Peterson, Kelly Mazella, Maria, Chantel Salters, Mary the Falling Statue, Philip Nako, Tara Lucchino, Viv Pickles, a.k.a. Laura, Mary mm. of the, God damn it, Grapefruit. Mary of the Grapefruit. Was it Mary of the Grapefruit? I think that's it. Mary yeah. of the Grapefruit. Jenna Polkowski, Ann Gibson, Ruth McCormick, Katie Kirshner, Kara Marlowe, Trish McCreary, Jen Lander Drunklin, Kelly Bodden, Amanda Newton, and as always, Kiki, the Wise. The wise. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, we will be back next week. With Bridget Jones's Diary, part two, the Bridget Jones in it. No, it's just part two of Bridget Jones. The Bridget. The Bridget. Bridget, or Bridget uh, throws her cigarettes in the garbage. And then, un- footage not seen, she definitely fishes them back out again. Digs them right back <laughs> out. Bye. 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 Bye.